Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 9. Appreciate the church for the Paul inviting us again. And man, it's, we've heard some good stuff about our Lord and, and his living organism on the earth, his, his church. But we've been given the subject of the support of the Lord's churches. And uh, I said something to Brother Troy. I said, this isn't a small subject. And uh, some of you preachers might correct me, but outside of the subject of redemption, the subject of money is number two in the Bible. As far as press and ink, when we find chapter after chapter after chapter about the subject of money. Maybe it's because our Lord said, where your treasure is, your heart shall be also. But let's look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just a couple verses. Verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the truth of your word. Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you that you saved our soul and and put us in your church. And Father, we just ask that this day that you would be glorified and that, Father, the people of God would be encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say from the very beginning that God's work done God's way will never lack for God's supply. It's clear. I'm not concerned about what is popular. I'm concerned about what is biblical. And the question is not what everyone else is doing, but what does God's word say about it? God, and I'll be quick and to the point, the Lord's churches are supported by God Almighty through His people in the paying of tithes and giving of offerings. That's how we're supported. Uh, and we cannot improve on God's design for His church. I know it's already been said, but I want to say it again, that the Lord only has one kind of church, and that is a local New Testament Baptist church. You know, you can tell a lot by what a man doesn't say as well as what he does say. And I'm not ashamed to say that I am a landmark, sovereign grace Baptist by conviction. But that's not just a bragging point, that's, that's, that's a conviction. 
But when it comes to the topic of the giving of finances, we see that the Bible is not silent. Now, we're, we'll, we'll get back to our text that we read here in a minute. But I want to say this. This chapter and these verses that, I'm, that I read in Corinthians is talking about a special offering given to the poor. That's what it's talking about. And we'll, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into the text itself and you can read that in chapter 8 verses 9 through 15. You can read it, uh, starting there all the way through chapter 9. This is talking about free will offerings. But the church, we support the church through, and I'm, the wording is very careful here, by the paying of tithes and the giving of offerings. And there is a difference. And the Bible is very specific that we pay our tithe, but we give an offering. You know, we don't just give our money freely to the electric company. We have to pay that. (laughs) And we don't give an offer. We don't give tithes. We pay tithes. Now, in the Old Testament, we find the beginning of tithes and, 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 and we find the first part of it is the giving of tithes. And that came in under the Old Testament system. And a lot of people, a lot of times now, they'll, they'll get upset about that. Well, no, tithes, that, that started in the Old Testament. Well, calm down, breathing started in the Old Testament too. You know, and there are a lot of things in the Old Testament that, that it's for our economy today. But actually, you'll find that there's three tithes in the Old Testament. That's why it doesn't say tithe. It says tithes, plural. One, now we don't, we don't like talking about that, but a tithe is 10%, but there were three required tithes under Old Testament law. One was the giving to, basically it was like a tax. It was for the funding of national holidays, the feast days, public works. The other was given directly to the Levitical priest. And then the third was a tithe, was a tithe of commodities that you were required to do once every three years. We know that because you wouldn't, uh, when I mean commodities, you left the corners of your fields undone to where the poor can get it. And so it would work out to be about a 23.5% yearly tithe is what they paid in the Old Testament. Now, we don't live in a theocracy. And uh, the tithe of the Old Testament that was given to national Israel, we obviously don't give that today. The New Testament teaches free will offerings for giving to the poor. But we do believe that tithes are for day, for today. Now, someone will ask, well, how was the house of God funded? The house of God was funded by free will offerings. That's how it was built. That's how it was funded. Now, Jesus confirmed tithing. Now, we live in a generation where a lot of people don't like tithing. I mean, they really don't. And you'd be surprised at some conservative scholars who are just anti-tithing. But Jesus confirmed tithing. Look with me here in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, quickly. Most of you know these verse, but I want to set this up of why we do pay a tithe today. Chapter 23, verse 23. Our Lord is rebuking the Pharisees for a legalistic form of religion. And he's saying you're being exact with your tithe, but you're not giving out of your heart. 
You know, that's, but he says here, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cuban uh, of herbs and, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done. These is the giving of tithes. And not to leave the other undone. Now, they came to the Lord and basically they didn't want to pay their taxes. And they said, uh, they handed him a coin with Caesar's inscription on it. And said, uh, should we give to Caesar? And he said, uh, whose inscription's on that coin? And they said, he said, well, it's Caesar's. And he says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. But render unto God that which are God. Now, our Lord had perfect opportunity to do away with tithing, but he never did. I believe today that we still pay when we come to the Lord's house. And I'm going to back this up. You can go ahead and turn to Hebrews 7. We still pay the priestly tithe. But we pay it to the local New Testament church. We still pay the priestly tithe. A lot of people say, well, tithing is under the law. Tithing was before the law. And in Hebrews chapter 7, we don't have time to cover this entire chapter, but in Hebrews chapter 7, I want us to, to, to look at a couple things here. Verse 4. Yeah, verse 4 of Hebrews chapter Chapter 7, now consider how great this man was, speaking about Melchizedek, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of his spoils. Now, skip down with me to verse 9. And as I say so, as I may say so, Levi also, who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham, for he was yet in his loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now, what he, of course, the, the theme here of chapter 7 is Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek and he has a superior priesthood to that of the Levitical priest. But, but Levi's, uh, Abraham, who was far before him, paid tithes before there ever was a Moses or the law. He gave a tenth to Melchizedek. Before there ever was a law, he paid tithes to him as his high priest. And who is Jesus? We only have one priest now, our high priest, Jesus Christ. And he is under the order of chapter 7 according to Melchizedek. And so when we come to the house of God and we worship our high priest, we're worshiping the one under the order of Melchizedek, the king of peace, the King priest. That's what Melchizedek was, the prince of Salem. Tithing is just as, tithing was before the law and tithing is after the law. Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek before the law and we give tithes to Jesus Christ, our high priest, after Melchizedek's order, after the law. That's how we do it. And we, we give to the Lord's work. Or to our king priest through the local New Testament Baptist church. Now, turn with me back to our text to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, you noticed in that it said that Abraham paid tithes. 
And if you go in the Old Testament, just do a little Google search. One of the great things about our generation, we can put in orders of words in these searches. Put in pay tithes. And you'll find out you'll get a lot of responses out of pay tithes. Well, why doesn't the Bible talk about giving tithes in the New Testament? Because you don't give them, you pay them. When the Bible's talking about giving, it's talking about a free will offering. And that's what he's talking about here in chapter 9. It's talking about the giving to the poor. Chapter 9, verse 7. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. Underline this. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Now there's a generation out there that says just give what you want. And they use this verse. In the New Testament, the model is just give what you want. That is true of a free will offering. <laughs> That's why we call it a free will offering. You read it. Chapter 8 through chapter 9. It's talking about giving to the poor saints. And Paul says to them, give as you purpose in your heart. Pay your tithe first. Pay your bills. Then if you have some money left over, as you purpose in your heart, give to the church or to an offering. That's the order. I've had people before, I've had to tell them, they said, now, Brother Rob, we're having a, a pastor, we're having a, we would have a special offering for someone and something. They said, well, I just don't have the money. And so I said, pay your bills, <laughs> pay your tithe, pay your bills. If you don't have anything left, give to the offering. Don't rob your creditors to give in an offering. That, all right? Now, so we give Now, I want to say this. We're talking about how we support the Lord's churches. God doesn't have to tell me everything we should not do if he tells us what to do. Now, this generation really needs to get a grip on that. God doesn't have to give me every thou shalt not If he gives me one, thou shalt. Today, churches are doing all kinds of things that are unbiblical to support themselves. They are. Yard sales, car washes, bake sales, rummage sales, silent auctions, everything. And you go up into Kentucky, one of the biggest things there is, there's a big carnival there. The last week of September, Christ of King... Catholic Church has Oktoberfest. Now, how stupid is that? Oktoberfest in September. (laughs) They serve alcohol. They have gambling. They have fair rides. All in the name of religion. Southland Christian Church, which took over an old mall in Lexington and revamped it, they own a McDonald's, a Chick-fil-A, and Applebee's, and about four other chain restaurants that line Richmond Road, and they use those chains to fund their payment for their building. They're in the restaurant business, and that's what business they're in. The churches are not in the business of business. We are in the business of preaching the gospel. We're in the king's business. We're not in business, like he said. So, well, we would never have a, we would never have a, We would never have a bake sale or we would never have anything like that. We would never do that. 
You know, I had one fellow tell me one time, and he was going to, uh, there was two guys talking at work once, and the ministerial association was having a, uh, some kind of a carnival. And then the other guy came back, and he was telling me and the other guy, and he said, well, how'd you go? And the one guy was running the corn dog stand. He said, well, we lost money. He said, why'd you lose money? How'd you lose money? He said, they let the preachers eat for free, and they ate up all the corn dogs. And then the other guy, who's a lost man, says, you Christians act like God is broke. I want to tell you today, God's not broke. He don't need your bake sale. He don't need your yard sale. He don't need you to get your girls like they do and, and, and get them in their colored underwear and wash cars. He don't need to do all that. There's still a God in heaven that will supply the needs of His churches if we do His work His way. We do not need to take on the form and fashion of this world. We've got a new cart religion out there that wants to copy everything that the world's doing. And this is all I hear. Well, we don't stand for the traditions of men. Yeah, you do. You're just replacing an old tradition with a new one. Now you think about it. Everybody's, oh, this is just tradition, this is tradition. We're getting rid of that and we're doing this. You're replacing one with another. You are. You're replacing one with another. At least some of the old, some of the old traditions were based on the Bible. And God's not broke. He says, prove me now, with saith the Lord, that I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out room enough on you that you do not have room to receive. God's work done God's way. We'll never lack God's supply. God's not broke. We don't need yard sales and car washes and everything else. I remember one time I was past about eight years ago, I had a lady. We were sending some kids off to camp, and I had this sweethearted lady. I mean, just a sincere, godly woman. She came up to me, and she said, Preacher, you know, we funded about 100 inner-city kids to go to camp every year. That costs some money. At $100, a, that costs some money. Preacher, can we have a yard sale Bring everybody to church. Just bring it in. She had a good, godly heart with a good, sincere motive. That's why they need pastors <laughs> to say, honey, why don't you do it at your house <laughs> and get all the ladies you want to get together? Do it at your house, and then y'all just bring the maid to church. <laughs> you don't have to put it in the yard. You don't have to stick the name on it. There's a lot of ways you can raise money by yourself and bring it to God's house. But we're not in that kind of business. I want to say that God is able. He's able. Oh, he's above able. That's what he says here in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Yeah. That ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. I read something the other day, as I was about a week ago, I read the, the richest man in the history of America was John Rockefeller. He was a Baptist. And I quote, John Rockefeller. Now, I mean, he was richer in 1940 than, he had more money in 1940 than Bill Gates has today. 
And he said, I remember the first day that I earned a paycheck and the feeling of gratitude in my heart as I placed my tithe in the offering plate. His pastor one time preached on covetousness. Rockefeller was successful even as a teenager. He came to tears with his pastor and said, Pastor, am I just chasing money for the God of money? And he said, no, John. He said, John, I know. He said, I believe the Lord knows your heart. He said, go earn as much as you can to give as much as you can. And before the 1950s, John Rockefeller gave $500 million to Baptist works. How much would that be worth today? I looked it up. You know that he established over, he built over 100 Baptist churches in this state, Spelman College and a bunch of other things. And this is what he said. He's, they asked him why he gave most of his money to the Baptists. He said, because it's the only one that gives me an eternal dividend. I like that. See, the Lord sees our heart. And we may not be a John Rockefeller, but the Lord sees our heart illustrated by the widow's might. The God of glory has given the charge of the gospel to the local church. Not a denomination, nor an association, but the church of the living God. He also chose not only the method, but the means to bring himself glory through the church. And he has given us the ability to go and earn. If you earn, it's because you have that ability. John Rockefeller's famous, they, people would ask him all the time, well, how'd you get rich? And he would say, the Lord giveth thee power to make wealth. That was always his response. And I say to you, the Lord gives power to make wealth. And yet he gives us the ability, and some more than others, but gives us the ability to earn. And then he asks us for a simple part of that back, and an offering on top of that, that through his people he would fund the work of the gospel ministry. The church is more than an institution. It's a living organism made up of the people of God giving to our high priest, Jesus Christ, through the church. And that's how missionaries are funded. That's how preachers go out. I'll say this. I I believe that, that we're all commanded to be a witness. I believe that. But not, but here's another fallacy of our generation. Not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody's a preacher. Uh, How shall they hear unless a church member is sent? No, I'm sorry. How shall they hear unless a preacher is sent? Now, we all have the responsibility. But you know what? They that preach the gospel, live of the gospel, you come in and you bring in your tithes and your offerings and money goes out into the mission field. I don't know how many, uh, you've, I've heard you talk about the missionaries this church supports. And I, I'm not saying that we're doing that by proxy or anything else, but, but we are to send out missionaries. We're to be witnesses here. We're to bring our tithes into the storehouse that, that this pastor may have we're in this chapter. We don't have time, but them that live, them that preach the gospel need to live of the gospel if all possible. And they're worthy of double honor. One man went to Clarence Walker one time. He was talking about Brother Walker and said, you know, our church is getting ready to call a pastor. He said, we want pain biblically. 
And he said, really? He said, well, do you want the Old Testament way or the New Testament way? He said, well, what's the Old Testament way? He gets all the tithes. Am I preaching? Am I telling the truth? He said, well, well how well, did the church fund? The church was funded by free will offerings. He said, well, let's try the New Testament. <laughs> he said, okay, take the average salary in the, of, of your men in the church, and, and if he's a good elder, double it. Elders where they're a devil are now. Is that not the word of God? That the elder, uh, elder that rules well is worth double on. You know, money comes in here not just for the building, but for the gospel. It's not about the building. It's not about the carpet. It's about funding the gospel. It's about preaching the gospel. I've never seen a church go broke that added missionaries. I've seen some churches go broke that got scared and dropped some missionaries. I've seen some pastors say, I need a bigger salary and drop some missionaries and seen some churches go broke. But I've never seen churches go broke who added missionaries. Now, there may be some, but I've never experienced it. You know why? He that soweth bountifully, he that soweth sparingly, reapeth sparingly. He that soweth bountifully, reapeth bountifully. And that goes as far as the church is concerned as well. It's not just how we support the church, but what the, what the church goes out and does. We've got enough of the new cart religion. Yeah. Rick Warren said he's starting the Burger King religion. That's what he said. You know what Burger King religion is, don't you? Have it your way. Have it your way. He said if we can convince our communities that we can meet their heartfelt needs, we will lure the philanthropist into our assemblies. That's a direct quote. What's he saying there? If we act, if we get out in our communities and give to the poor, which I believe in, then we can draw in some big donors. <laughs> we give to the poor to give to the poor, not so the donors would notice. God supports His churches. He's not broke. I'm sick of this begging bum churches. I'm sick of it. It's a reproach on our Lord. And I'm glad that we're not a part of it. It's a reproach on our Lord. There's a bunch of lost people out there going, it's one sale after another with you people. Y'all act like God is broke. That's the words of lost men. That's what we say to them. You know, when visitors come to the churches that I've pastored, I've even told, I've even made an announcement. You know, we don't expect visitors to support. If you want to give an offering, give it, but we, we don't expect you to give. That is the responsibility of the membership of this church. Now, if they want to give, they can give. I ain't going to stop them from giving. There's, there's, there's a lot of books out there on how to seek private donors and everything and on how to market them and, and do all this. You know, Proverbs says that a gift can even blind the eyes of the wise. That's right. We had a fellow, you remember this, a multimillionaire out of, uh, Owned the biggest asbestos removal company in North Carolina. It used to be a heart surgeon. 
who came to our church when we was up in the mountains, and he said, he said, I want to meet with you, and he gave us a $10,000 check. Just gave it to us. I said, amen, praise the Lord, we took it. Then he came back, he said, would you mind me preaching? And he's a Baptist, but a little different. I said, I'll let you, okay, that's fine, I'll let you do it. So I let him do it, and he came back, and he said, well, we're going to build a, a bathroom. It was an old 200-year-old building on the side of the mountain. He helped build a front part of it and everything else, and he came back, and he said, man, I got money now. And he wanted to start up all this stuff in our church. And he wanted to fund us. You remember me talking to you about it. He wanted to fund us big money. He was talking hundreds of thousands of dollars to feed the poor. And I told him, I said, brother, I, I, I love you and we'll accept every penny that you'll give us. But the money doesn't come with conditions. <laughs> It doesn't come with conditions. You say, oh, you mean you turned down all that? Yeah, because when you give to the Lord. Now, it, now, at the same time, when I say that, I'm not being hard-headed. I've had a fellow one time say, hey, preacher, we need new songbooks. Can I write you a check for new songbooks? Yeah. But now there's a difference in somebody trying to do something nice and someone trying to control the church. You know? Someone seeing the need and saying, preacher, I'll take care of that. Can you designate this money? There's something different. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people out there that want to control the church. A lot, I've seen some, I've seen some members. That's one reason why as a pastor, I have never, I have never, I have never, and by God's grace, I will never ever look at the ledger to see who gives and who doesn't because I don't want to know who the big and the little givers are. Because I, if I ever have to make a basis of a choice, I want it to be on what's right, not on who writes the biggest check. And don't tell me that you wouldn't be tempted to do that if you didn't know who was your big giver and your little giver. And maybe you can do that and not be tempted. I, I don't, I don't want to try that. Look, it's just this simple. And this goes for a whole lot of stuff. We've got a book. It tells us what to do. It gives us the pattern of how to do it. And he don't have to tell me everything not to do if he tells me what to do. People talk about, oh, well, we're doing it for the gospel. We're doing it for the gospel. The gospels go out to sinners. The gospels go out. Are we going out? Someone's already preached on that. But that's going out. Hello. That's not a promotion. It's not a draw. It's not a giveaway. It's a it's go. To go means to leave where we're at and go to them. That's what I mean. We do that as church members, as individuals. We do that so the past, we give our money so the pastors can go to the hospitals, can go to the laws, can go to the neighbors. We do it so the missionaries can go out. It's the work of the gospel. We're to go to where they are. We're not to entice them in. We are to go where they are. There's been times in the word of God where you've seen God's men do God's work, God's way. And God, and there wasn't an abundant blessing to it. And then other men, there was an abundant blessing to it. 
That's why we're not, we're not judged based on the results, but on the obedience. You know, Elijah had faith to stay by a drying up brook. Because he was told to stay there. Jeremiah. Look at his ministry. Isaiah's. When did we become result oriented? Sounds a little Arminian to me, don't it? A little pragmatic. Thank God that God still does bless. And he still does give. But let's have the faith of our fathers that we're not going to sell out our heritage like Esau for a little pottage. And a little popularity and a little group. We're going to go with God's way. And if he blesses, praise the Lord. And if he doesn't bless, then we're going to keep on going. We're going to keep on staying. We're going to keep on preaching. Brother Jackson.